words of Sri Aurobindo. The purpose of avatarhood. If the divine were not in a sense omnipotent, he could not be omnipotent anywhere, whether in the supramental or anywhere else, because he chooses to limit or determine his action by conditions, it does not make him less omnipotent. His self-limitation is itself an act of omnipotence. Why should the Divine be tied down to succeed in all his operations? What if failure suits him better and serves better the ultimate purpose? What rigid primitive notions are these about the Divine? Certain conditions have been established for the game and so long as those conditions remain unchanged, certain things are not done, so we say they are impossible, can't be done. If the conditions are changed, then the same things are done, or at least become licit, allowable, legal, according to the so-called laws of nature, and then we say they can be done. The Divine also acts according to the conditions of the game. He may change them, but he has to change them first, not proceed while maintaining the conditions to act by a series of miracles. If the avatars are shams, they have no value for others, nor any true effect, avatarhood becomes perfectly irrational and unreal and meaningless. The Divine does not need to suffer or struggle for Himself. If He takes on these things, it is in order to bear the world burden and help the world and men. And if the sufferings and struggles are to be of any help, they must be real. A sham or falsehood cannot help. They must be as real as the struggles and sufferings of men themselves. The Divine bears them and at the same time shows the way out of them. Otherwise, his assumption of human nature has no meaning and no utility and no value. What is the use? of admitting avatarhood if you take all the meaning out of it. I repeat, the Divine, when He takes on the burden of terrestrial nature, takes it fully, sincerely, and without conjuring tricks or pretense. If He has something behind Him which emerges always out of the coverings, it is the same thing in a sense even if greater in degree, that is, behind others, and it is to awaken that, that he is there. This psychic being does the same for all who are intended for this spiritual way. Men need not be extraordinary beings to follow it. 
That is the mistake you are making to harp on greatness as if only the great can be spiritual. Then as to the avatar and the symbols, there is, it seems to me, a cardinal error in the modern insistence on the biographical and historical, that is to say, the external factuality of the avatar, the incidents of his outward life. What matters is the spiritual reality, the power, the influence that come with him or that he brought down by his action and his existence. First of all, what matters in a spiritual life is not what he did or what he was outside to the view of the man of his time. That is what historicity or biography comes to, does it not? But what he was and did within, it is only that that gives any value to his outer life at all. It is the inner life that gives to the outer any power it may have, and the inner life of a spiritual man is something vast and full and, at least in the great figures, so crowded and teeming with significant things that no biographer or historian could ever hope to seize it all or tell it. Whatever is significant in the outward life is so because it is symbolical of what has been realized within himself. And one may go on and say that the inner life also is only significant as an expression, a living representation of the movement of the divinity behind it. To the physical mind, only words and facts and acts of a man matter. To the inner mind, it is the spiritual happening in him that matter. The avatar, the guru have no meaning if they do not stand for the eternal. It is that that makes them what they are for the worshipper and the disciple.